Anchor, this is Anna Guerra, your host, and welcome to episode 12 of Being a Microsoft Intern. Today, I shall be talking about some very interesting facts about how the retailing business works, how stores set up their decoration in terms of brands, how I work with big partners and small partners, what's the advantages and disadvantages of each one, and what is the Microsoft spirit. If you're interested, keep listening. So here's an interesting thing that I did not know about until about a week ago. So at Microsoft, we have promo people who are at the stores and they're kind of executing promotions for us. They're checking out if everything in store is well placed the way the brand told it would be. So imagine if the Xbox was told the Xbox would be the bundles should be in space A and B, but they are not in A and B. So those promo people that I'm talking about, I don't know if that's the right way to say their name, but still, you get what I mean. They shall be the ones who are verifying if everything is okay. Um, they're also trying to get some sales done, selling products to people, being like advocates for the brand and being the eyes and ears of the brand in stores. So we had a meeting with them. We kind of introduced them into our new team, our new Iberia structure. And we also established some goals for them for the next few, few two months, maybe. Um, what new products we have, what things we'll be promoting. So to give them like an overview of the strategy, because it's also good to keep these people who are not part of the Microsoft brand, who are not Microsoft employees, still give them a very strong bond to the brand because, you know, if we keep a good relationship with them and they keep a good relationship with us, everyone ends up winning because, you know, it's always interesting for them to have a tight relationship with Microsoft and it's good for us as well because it means they will perform better. At this meeting, one of the things that I realized and I had no idea about was that actually a lot of things that are branded and that are placed in store are not paid. That's right. I don't know if you guys knew this. So imagine if there's like a roll up uh, in a store uh, saying, I'm going to imagine another brand. So I don't always go back to Xbox and Microsoft examples. So let me see. Actually, I should be I shouldn't be changing too much around because otherwise in other industries it might be totally different. So I'm gonna imagine like Asus, A not Asus, uh, the British brand with I mean like Asus, maybe it's Asus, I don't know, like A S U S. So imagine Asus um, has a new computer and they want to promote that. They they might put a roll up in store. And they didn't pay for that roll-up. I mean, they pay for the printing, they pay for some designer who does the roll-up, but then placing it in store has absolutely no cost. And that's good, but it's also bad. Why? Because it means that the stores, the retailers have total power over what happens in the store. So imagine if we, if Asus places 
the roll up in a place and then if somebody a promo person from a competitor brand Lenovo for example decides to place it somewhere else they can because this place wasn't paid for so it it becomes a very competitive space and as you can imagine very very tricky because people are always messing around putting things in wrong places and even the people from the retailer itself so from the actual store not the promo people might also be changing these things around and because they know what sells and what doesn't they also try to place these things according to their advantage so if you place something there but then that's not something that really sells and people from the store don't think it's advantage and they have something else that they want to place that they feel like it's better for the store they will just throw away your stuff you know sometimes they won't even you know put it in some uh, locker or something um, they won't save it up for you so you can take it home and take it to another store or something sometimes they might even destroy it so they will destroy property that is technically yours but it is in their store so they it's it's their property now duh and yeah so as you can imagine, tough crowd for the brands, tough crowd. But obviously there are still some things that can be paid for and that are negotiated between the brand and the store. Keep that in mind. Not everything is super crazy, obviously. And one thing I know uh, from talking with my colleagues is that, for example, during Christmas, it is the craziest time to get things into the store because all the places, all the displays are negotiated and there's a lot of money to be made. And also prices increase a little bit because, you know, it's the supply and demand um, scheme working. But moving on to the next topic, I was talking about comparing big partners and small partners so during my experience at Microsoft I've been able to work with some bigger partners and smaller partners mostly smaller partners though why because things work better with them and things are easier with smaller partners now why is that let's go back so the thing with big partners and why a lot of people, especially companies like Microsoft, who are very big, try to work with other big partners is because obviously, if they're big, they have a reputation to maintain and they've been able to build trust over the years. So a brand like Microsoft wants to be associated with another big brand because, you know, it's more good reputation that is being associated with Microsoft, but also because they've built trust over all these years and it's less likely that they will mess up. Makes sense, right? And also usually, I guess, these bigger brands, um, these bigger partners might also have um, bigger budgets that they want to work with, but that might not be true all the time though. But what are some disadvantages of working with bigger brands? The thing with bigger brands is usually from what I've noticed is there are a lot of intermediates, people in between the process between me, the <coughs> marketer 
and someone who is negotiating on the other side. There's a lot of people between us to get things done. And I think with nowadays the structure that we have with marketing, with agile marketing and agile methodologies, it's harder than ever to work like this. So imagine, I'm going to give you a very specific example of something that actually happened at Microsoft. So imagine there was someone on Twitter who tweeted something for Xbox and wanted something in specific, asked for something. And for me to give that person what they wanted, this was some influencer person, uh, for me to do that on a proper way, I should contact our agency, our PR agency, because technically I'm not supposed to be talking uh, with influencers directly. Um, so I would have to talk to someone from the agency and then someone from the agency would have to talk to them. And then because there was also another entity involved in this partnership, we had another player who I, who I would talk with because in that case, the um, the agency wasn't the one who was supposed to talk to them so you can imagine there's four people there would be four people in this conversation to make something happen that should happen within the next couple of days instead of waiting weeks to happen so the thing with with big brands it it really is this the more inter intermediates we have the harder it is to do real time marketing and I can give other examples um, of things that happened in this case with bigger uh, businesses, because you know when you, if you're working with a retailer, for example, if I want to do anything with a retailer, it should be from through our account. So in Microsoft, there's people uh, specially designed to work with retailers who are dedicated to one specific retailer. So imagine if there is a Amazon account, for example. So I couldn't talk to those brands directly. I would have to talk to the account and the account would talk to them because there are a lot of things that are being negotiated with retailers that don't depend on me and that are not only about what I want to do and everything influences everything. And I guess that makes sense for everyone that is listening. So if you want to uh, do an event at a retailer, um, obviously there are other things that have to be negotiated. There has to be communication. There might be product involved and everything. So there's a lot of things that need to be negotiated and the negotiated, the, the negotiations make sense and the numbers make sense according to what previous negotiations were and other deals that you might have with the brand. So there's a lot of things to consider and make me not be as an advocate that much for big partners in that way. And when you're working with small partners, it ends up being easier because there's less intermediates uh, it ends up being more personal uh, because some of these people, I, I now have a close relationship with them. If I see them, I might say hi and talk about other things in their life because I know them now. 
Uh, I add them on Facebook. They have my personal number. They might be listening to this podcast right now at this second. So it really, it makes the relationship better. But there is also a downside to it and a downside of being too personal, you know. Sometimes there are businesses that are just one person, two people, you know. Uh, and one of the questions that end up being on my mind a lot is whether I add someone on Facebook or not. Because I think Facebook is a great way to maintain relationships. So in the future, if I leave Microsoft, for example, I will still keep in touch with these people and they will be, they will still be familiarized and following up my journey uh, by checking me on Facebook and hopefully checking these podcasts. But it also means I'm kind of available to them every time. Um, so when is not the good time to answer? If it's a weekday and if it's after work hours, does this mean I don't answer them anymore because they're people I work with um, from other businesses the weekend do I have to answer them during the weekend um, it's it really is a kind of a strange sphere that I'm working on that I'm obviously not used to but I guess it is easier for me than it is for most people who have just entered this new uh, idea of communication, a new way we collaborate and work with people um, that is not traditionally through email, but might be with instant messaging. And I can guarantee you now that I'm making a lot of business through instant messaging. And last but not least today, I want to tell you about the one Microsoft Spirit. Now, I hope that I can finish it this time because last time I did this segment, a few minutes ago, I was interrupted by someone drilling into a wall around here on this apartment. So keep your fingers crossed that nothing happens. If it does, I'm gonna let it play out and you're gonna listen like this to show how real I am. Ha ha ha. What is the one Microsoft spirit? This is something that if you search on Facebook, Google or something, you won't find what is the Microsoft spirit. Maybe internal website, you might find something related to this, but it's not really something that a lot of people know about. And what I'm going to explain to you about what is a Microsoft Spirit is my interpretation of it and how I see it. So for me, the one Microsoft Spirit um, first starts with thinking that we're one Microsoft. We're one Microsoft in this office. I care about other departments. I care about other teams and I'm with them in every project. So if there's something that's happening in another team that might need my help, it's one Microsoft, so I would help them. If there's someone in my specific team that has been going through hardships, that things are not going well, uh, it's one Microsoft, so I feel for them like I would be feeling, uh, well, not like, not at the same degree, obviously, but I, I try to understand their struggles and I try to help and be sympathetic for them. 
going deeper into that, I would say that the one Microsoft spirit, the feeling that we're all together and we're all Microsoft regardless of race, regardless of sexual orientation, regardless of where we are in the world, what our color is, is something that I felt very much in the Xbox One X launch. Now, this is a theme that is very very tragic thing to be talking about in Portugal because the launch in terms it was a very successful launch I would say in terms of sales but there have been some complaints about the way the launch was and it, the activities that were led or were not led let's not drill too much into it because otherwise we might go through the wall to the other side. <laughs> uh, but the thing is, even though I didn't get to do as many things as I wanted to here, due to a lot of reasons, I did get to enjoy the happiness that it is to be one Microsoft. So I did enjoy and I felt the launch of other other countries releasing the console to the world as much as I would feel of my own country. So I'm not thinking, oh, you know, in Australia, they're doing that, you know, they have all that money, you know, or in the USA, they did this and in New Zealand, you know, they have all that money, blah, blah, blah. No, it really is it not is not like that. I very much appreciate what other countries have been doing and I try to promote that to other people in the company, try to make them understand and know what what the Xbox One X release was in other countries. I try to drive inspiration from other countries as well and bring some ideas into my own work here in Portugal. Um, and I try in terms of social media, for example, to promote that as well because you know if you're a fan of xbox you're not a fan of xbox in portugal you should be feeling the microsoft spirit as well and be a fan of the global xbox and be happy for what the brand can do in other countries where it is stronger so that's something that i also want to leave you with yeah so that's it for today guys and i'm saying goodbye